0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the e commerce master plan podcast. I'm Chloe Thomas, the creator and host of this award winning show. Yes, we have a shiny plexiglass award. Yes, we do. Um, And it's my aim every episode to help you find ways to improve your e commerce business. So thank you very, very much for tuning in. Um, We have a a bit of an awesome episode coming up for you today. I'm talking to a guy who once upon a time was Senior Vice President of Marketing, CRM, Analytics and Demand Management at Overstock, the massive um, American marketplace slash retailer. And admittedly, he was doing that a few years ago, but he was doing it in a very turbulent, interesting six-year period where uh, they took, for example, SEO from zero to 300 million in uh, in sales. He covers some really interesting angles. We talk a bit about the SEO. We talk about taking the team on a major changes and major journeys. We talk about recruitment, about retention, some very cool tips around retention, and we talk about loyalty. And then his top tips are very, very cool as well. So definitely worth listening right to the end. Oh, when he's got a free offer for you guys, which um, I think you will be very interested in, especially if SEO is something you're you're looking at and page speed is something you're interested in. Anyway, you'll find out about that at the end of the episode. For now, though, before we meet up with Jeff, um, please do check out the sponsors. create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Did you know that e-commerce visitors who search can convert between four to six times more than the others, and that fifty percent of your e-commerce turnover can be generated by users who search? Turn your search bar into a powerful sales weapon and install DoFinder, an advanced site search technology that can help you increase your online sales up to twenty percent. Don't believe it? Well, go to DoFinder.com/masterplan to sign up for a free thirty-day trial and join the five thousand plus e-commerce sites around the world that all already use it. And now to introduce today's special guest, Jeff Atkinson was a part of the Overstock.com marketing team during a six-year period when they went through rapid international expansion and refocused from selling anything to focusing in on home and garden. During that time, he went from lowly email marketing manager to senior vice president of marketing, CRM, analytics, and demand management. Hello, Jeff.
1: Hi, Chloe. Thanks for having me on.
0: Hey, it's great to have you on and, and kind of cool to have a guest. You can talk about such a Turbulent isn't quite the right word, but such a huge change in a business in such a short period of time. So um, so thanks for agreeing to come on and talk about it.
1: It was turbulent. That's fine to say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> cool. We'll go, we'll go with turbulent then. Um, we're going to talk about all that shortly, but how did you end up in e-commerce in the first place?
1: Yeah, it really was a total accident. I never had intentions of working in e-commerce. I was a ski racer actually in college. And after I graduated, my mom was like, you have to take at least a couple good job interviews. And I found Overstock. Uh, Overstock's based in Utah, which is fantastic skiing. So I thought it was a kind of an excuse of having a real job, but still sort of being a ski bum. So I landed in Salt Lake City, Utah, And I've been here, I now live in Park City, but I've been in Utah for 15 years, which is sort of, uh, I didn't expect that. And I ended up in e-commerce at Overstock.
0: Wow. you followed the snow and ended up uh, a a foremost business in a a cutting edge sector.
1: Yep. That's what happened pretty much.
0: (laughs) Nice one. Um, So one of the key things you were doing at Overstock was SEO, where you took it from a channel that brought in nothing to bringing in 300 million. So why? Why did someone decide to start focusing on SEO at Overstock? And I, the reason I ask it is because it's something which, depending on the will of a of a founder, is often something that gets completely ignored or over obsessed about in early stage e commerce businesses.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be honest, it was about 2000. So I started in 2005, and it was 2006, seven. So SEO wasn't really a widely like we didn't even know what it was. We we just sort of heard of it. I remember we have an executive Stormy. She introduced me to a guy named Paul Bremer. I spent like an hour and a half on the phone with him. He was a SEO consultant, really smart guy. And I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. Like it almost sounded too good to be true. You know that you'd make these technical changes and all of a sudden you get all this free traffic. So I remember going up to uh, Patrick the founder and CEO's office and sort of drawing it on the whiteboard like this is how it works and this is how what we'd have to do and so we did a deal with Paul and um, we started started working on it and fortunately at the time we were building a new internal search engine so we were using you know something that you know when you search for a product on Overstock and we realized that you could use that same technology to power sort of the entire site all the navigation and all those important SEO pages so in one fell swoop, we got to sort of technically overhaul the entire site, especially the pages that really mattered from an SEO perspective. So uh, that was a just good timing. And, and things started to ramp really quickly. And when things start ramping really quickly, you know, resources get behind it and people, you know, want to want it to succeed. So that's sort of how it got got started. And we, we figured out, you know, that SEO was really important.
0: And back then, you said that, you know, resources start to get thrown behind it, which, which in e-commerce and especially in SEO means both money and people. So back then, as you said, it was kind of new to you, how, this, this crazy SEO thing. How did you find people to man the team?
1: Yeah, you know, at first we really, really didn't. We, we, had, we did this enormous amount of knowledge transfer. Um, Paul, would, he lived in San Diego, but he spent almost full time uh, in Salt Lake for over a year Uh, So I had a a small team working on SEO that he was educating. We sent everybody that worked on SEO to Bruce Clay out in California. He has a great SEO academy that they all get these certificates. So it was really a... We didn't hire... Other than Paul, we really didn't hire any SEO experts. We just internally ramped the knowledge really fast um, as quickly as we could. And we were also learning as we went, you know, we were actually building stuff. So we learned what would work and what wouldn't. And I think that's sort of the best education you can get is actually being on the front lines, like making active changes and seeing if it takes off or it doesn't. Um, Instead of just sort of theoretical SEO, we were actually implementing things all the time.
0: And of course, SEO, especially when you're doing kind of the technical side of it, you need a knowledge of what else is going on in the business to make it successful. Anyway, so I guess educating the exist members of the existing team gave you a bit of a fast track there in some ways because they already knew the business.
1: Yeah, and even down to like buyers and uh, different departments in the company, because the revenue was ramping, like buyers would take an interest in SEO. I remember buyers hiring copywriters to write you know better descriptions and information on their category pages because it was this rocket ship and they wanted to get as much of the revenue as they could so it became with that type of success you just get almost everybody in the company really pushing behind it and everyone's knowledge jumped and and we you know that that was sort of a perfect storm it doesn't happen very often that you you get those types of resources. I mean, at one point we had over forty people working on SEO, and I think half of them were developers. So it's pretty rare. It's a pretty rare situation, but it's uh, it's a great story because it ended up, you know, that sort of ROI of three hundred million dollars is sort of uh, a no brainer. So it, it was a it was a great ride.
0: I love the fact you're saying about you managed to get the buyers inspired, so they'd spend more on copywriting to get you the right the right content, which. It Amu- makes me giggle internally because back, so I kind of guess, kind of early 2000s, I was working in a retailer who was a catalog retailer. So all this great copy would be written for every product and then it would get cut to two lines to fit in the catalog and lost. <laughs> you know, we spent like oh, months no. trying, to, trying to work out how we could get, what how we could build a system which meant this copy didn't get lost and we never solved it because the manpower wasn't there to get it was It was a nightmare. So yeah, of course, slightly jealous that you got the buying team fully bought <laughs> into expanded copy.
1: Mm-hmm. It was unique, you know, it's, it's sort of a unique, and we were purely online, you know. The other thing was a lot of these other big retailers, especially competing in the home and garden categories were very much like your situation. You know, your uh, Walmarts and your Jay-Z Penny and Macy's, like they were all still just mainly selling, you know, they were dabbling in online, but they couldn't move as quickly as we could because they were just such big organizations and they ran into a lot of the problems that you're describing. Um, and we could just do whatever we wanted. And so that's how we kind of took over that category.
0: Nice. And would you say that that, that level of SEO focus kind of changed the entire company? Because it's it seems seems like it got into everything and changed everyone's approach, which is, is phenomenal, really, to think of one marketing method doing that.
1: It did. There were a few sort of marketing or analytics initiatives that did change the company. SEO is one. The example with SEO, so when I got to Overstock, they were known really as like a uh, jewelry and watches, electronics, uh, DVDs and books, things like that. And when I left, they were really thought it was a home and garden company. I mean, we did sell all that other stuff, but the majority of the, the revenue, especially the profits were coming through stuff like bedding, mattresses, furniture. Um, and that was really driven by SEO because the, what we did is we would have these SEO analysts that would do a bunch of keyword research. And we, they figured out essentially what I just described, which was there was a ton of volume, a lot of search volume around furniture, bedding. You know, memory foam mattresses, stuff like that, very high margin, high price point items. But the competition was just really low compared to electronics, where Amazon was playing and eBay was playing. It was just like really brutal. If we got into these other categories, then we would just dominate. So we built out supply chains and we figured out sort of the buying side and could really, you know, at the time, your crate and barrels and these other furniture companies were just charging so much. That we just said, well, we'll just take, you know, 30 to 40 percent margin. Like that's that's awesome for us. And so we were selling the same quality of product at like less than half the price. And so it was a great storm of like we would get these search rankings, but we also had the product to back it up. And that's how the company kind of shifted into this home and garden category because of keyword research, which is uh, I think I described that a lot to our customers about how it's much easier to satisfy demand that's already out there than it is to sort of take a product idea and sort of try to stuff it down people's throats. And that's really all we did was we just found that there was an enormous amount of demand online for furniture and home and garden. And we built out a supply chain and a SEO strategy to satisfy it. And whoosh, there it went.
0: Yes, it's, it's kind of cool, isn't it? It's it's the sort of thing, if you were a, a buyer a merchandiser or you know, the senior team in industry and someone comes and goes there's all these customers stood just outside the front door who I can get in the door, but we currently can't sell them anything. So do you fancy finding some product? It's, we, we hear a lot about small companies identifying kind of that kind of scenario and creating a business around it, but it's not often we hear of a, of a large or an existing business doing that total pivot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it, was a, it started as a series of little small pivots and then we realized the power of it. I think Amazon and eBay. Just the nature of eBay lends itself to this sort of demand fulfillment. Amazon had really figured it out. Like they had, they had analysts that used search volume to to figure out demand and build categories, and and we had our own way of figuring it out. That ended up being very effective. And yeah, it's incredibly powerful. You know, I think about it a lot now with my own company Huckbuy and how. What is the search volume out there and how can we sort of satisfy that demand? Um, It's just a great lesson in business, I think, to to sort of go where the people are. (laughs) And there's data out there, thanks to Google, uh, about where the people are, what they want, and and fulfilling that demand versus just inventing sort of something.
0: And you mentioned jewelry as being one of the earlier categories. And I think jewelry is one of those examples of somewhere where even if there is the demand, it's hard to get in front of them because the, and to a large part, the internet works on words and it's very hard to put the right piece of jewelry in front of the right person based on words.
1: Mm. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Jewelry is tough. It has sort of gotten quite commoditized. I say like specifically watches have gotten very commoditized. Um, It seems like, People's experience often buying jewelry online is that the pictures and everything look so fabulous, and you order that diamond ring, and it always seems to be smaller than what they expect. <laughs> and you know, there's a lot of returns in jewelry, which make it a tough category. Um, but I think that's a good observation, Chloe.
0: Yeah, it's, I, I worked on a jewelry business a while back, and and it was, it, we could buy traffic quite easily. We could get traffic quite easily, but getting it to convert was really difficult because one person's silver jewelry, it, it, you know, what does that even mean? You know, one person is searching silver jewelry and they want to spend thousands on a ring, and another person's searching silver jewelry and they want to spend 10 quid on a necklace. Right. And it's, yeah. Just so difficult, and even if you kind of niche it down into amber or a gemstone and a you know silver amber pendant, that's still a hugely diverse range which you're not which you just cannot get to with with keywords. So, um, yeah, when everyone mentions jewelry and search, I'm like, yeah, I, I get I get why you weren't selling that. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Yeah. but the the reason I bring it up though is because, like you said about. Um, chasing the audience that's already there mm-hmm. and satisfying them. Often there are products which is just really hard to do online because you can't find the audience even if they exist.
1: Yeah. I think that's true. What's interesting though is some of these categories like mattresses are a great example. You would think that and I'm guilty of this as well, but it is a purchase that you're on for, you know, a third of your existence. And yet people feel totally comfortable just ordering a mattress online. And if you look at all the mattresses here in the States, there's like, got to be a dozen startups that are sold and they're funded through the roof. And, um, for some reason, and for overstock, it was a major, major category. I remember we ranked number one for mattress and memory foam mattress and all these great keywords. Um, people are totally comfortable buying a mattress online and not trying any mattresses. So I'm not saying that it's like you can <laughs> people are just not totally rational, I guess. You know they <laughs> they make the if the packaging looks great and the advertising's great, like Lisa mattresses is incredibly su- successful here in the states. You can people will make sort of irrational decisions around some of these things like I didn't, I can't say I had the same problem with jewelry. I was amazed at how much jewelry we sold. at Overstock, and our conversion rates were actually pretty good, especially um, sort of engagement, sort of standardized product, I think made it easier. And we've spent a lot of money too on, and it's amazing how this is developed, but on imagery and video and um, just how well you could make a product page almost be similar to an in-store buying experience. Um, I know there's jewelry, uh, sites now that'll actually, you know, you take a picture of your hand and you can actually try things on and you get perspective. So I do think those investments have come a long way to make people feel more comfortable buying online. And, you know, that's just going to keep ramping and ramping and ramping. Um, so that's been interesting to see. And now with COVID, you know, everyone's almost forced to buy online and I don't think that behavior is going to immediately just swap back. Um, after it's over, I think we're going to sort of have learned this behavior over a year and just feel more comfortable with it. If you were buying in stores a ton before, you're now forced to buy online and you're probably much more comfortable buying online after this year. Um,
0: It's kind of forced people to to take that first step and they're going, oh, actually, this is quite handy. And, you know, if you think kind of the two big barriers to, I would assume for people doing more 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 shopping online is number one feeling comfortable buying online well they've been forced to do that so that's kind of been dealt with and the other one is how you is the delivery process will i be in for the package and the huge move to working from home well everyone's in <laughs> always yeah,
1: in. home all the time yeah
0: we're here we're here yeah. all day <laughs> so um so yeah, I think I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens happens next year and post pandemic, whenever that happens. But I don't think we're going to see that much moving back. But but rather than us extrapolate against the future, um, we've talked about you know there being a, a huge growth in the SEO from zero to three hundred million. Uh, we talked about it, it was a, it was a turbulent six years. I think when there's that much growth, the the marketing kind of it's difficult but you know you find your way the products uh, you know finding the right products and, and streamline those processes is difficult but you find the right way one of the things which which companies often fall over on is the hiring process and the bringing the team along along on a journey which is changing so quickly and also when new people are coming in with new responsibilities, it, it's not something which humans naturally thrive on. So how, how over those, you know, cause at one point I think you were marketing chief of staff. So you clearly had quite a bit of responsibility around the team area. How did you keep them together and bring in the new people successfully?
1: Yeah, there was a challenge. Um, hiring was a really important investment, you know, is if you're part of a company growing that fast, and you're a leader, at some point, almost like half your time is dedicated to hiring, you're just doing it all the time. And your own job responsibilities kind of as the company gets bigger, your responsibilities almost like shrink. But because you're delegating a lot more. Um, So hiring really high level talent was critical. We found a few like interesting pipelines for us hiring. Um, particularly in, in marketing, we had, uh, a bunch of students coming out of the statistics program at BYU masters in statistics, which is just a very in, you know random, but very math intelligent statistics ends up being this phenomenal background for sort of like e-commerce analytics. And they almost would, we'd have a training program and It was amazing how we had a really good training program across all of our different channels. And it would be amazing how much, you know, someone right out of college could join Overstock and in six months, you know, their, their worth to the marketplace would be, you know, they go from almost zero to being worth like 120 grand a month, a, a year in six months. And it got, that was hard because they would get so much knowledge so quickly that then they were a flight risk, you know. They were they could make more somewhere else, and people wanted to poach out of us because we had one of the few e-commerce true training programs that was cutting edge, forward thinking. You know, was on on top of it, and so that became a challenge. So I think we would look for sort of raw intelligence over not. We rather re- train someone from zero than retrain someone. So we didn't ever look for real e-commerce experts or SEO experts. We liked the, the sort of uh, horsepower mentally. And then um, to get them in our training program, give them three to six months. And then usually they were you know, just awesome at that point. So we kind of went about it a bit different, but that really, really worked for us um, was finding just smart, smart people and training them the way we wanted them to, to operate. And then they could really flourish within Overstock.
0: And you mentioned about them becoming a flight risk, any tips around dealing with that? Cause that's, that's a, you know, do you, I guess what I'm trying to say is, do you go down the, our culture's so cool you don't want to leave route or do you go around, go down the handcuffs route of, you know, very long clauses, (laughs) uh, you know, exit clauses and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. The golden handcuffs definitely work, um, for your really talented people. The other is just seeing a career path. Um, and that can be in leadership but it also one of the big change one of the big shifts that we made and it came through a bunch of sort of research it comes through actually from like the pharmaceutical industry is that you can achieve a path of career success without getting into management with the same sort of esteem among your colleagues and same sort of like social reverence as you know becoming a vice president or whatever so we actually have career paths for developers for statisticians and analysts that were very prominent, but they didn't have to manage anybody. And you know, some usually your very smartest people are, are forcing them to manage people is not a, a good use of their skills. They don't like it, they're not good at it, they're much better at you know, coding or coming up the next pricing algorithm. And so we had these sort of different career tracks. But I think the most effective thing is for people to be able to say it's a meritocracy. And if I do really well at my job, I know the next steps to get more money, to get a better title. And that was almost more effective than, you know, stock and golden handcuffs. Um, Cool culture um, that either kind of comes about naturally, I think, and with some investment or not. Um, I'd say though the career path thing and sort of those tracks towards a a bigger and better career outside of management was really effective way to, to keep people around.
0: Because because often in a, in a business that's expanding so much and taking the, we'll hire people at the bottom level and teach them to get them spot on. Often the problem you come up with is, well, the only way to go up is to manage people. And that's a pyramid, which gets thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: there aren't, as many you know if you've got people at grade one there aren't as many spaces at grade two so if people can see a kind of like a i don't have to manage someone but i can still take a step on that must make a huge difference in how much they want to stick around partly because you've got people you don't want to be managing you want them to be doing anyway
1: yeah it was effective and it got very competitive too um which i love (laughs) i come from an athletic (laughs) background and Um, it got, because all the numbers and everything was very out in the open, you know, you could see exactly how a team or an individual was performing on any given day. Um, and so because everything was out in the open, it just got a very competitive nature that, that drove people to really want to win. And, um, that's what you need to kind of fuel that kind of growth.
0: Yeah. You, you want everyone to be pushing and pushing and pushing and to know the rewards there when they get there it's a very powerful way to keep them on, but also to get them delivering those targets. Mm-hmm. Now, the the last thing I wanted to talk to you about was um, loyalty, which is something which seems to be cyclical in e-commerce in that it kind of disappears and everyone stops talking about it. And then we're all talking about it. And then it goes away again for a few years and it comes back. And obviously, you know, running a loyalty club way back when, um, at overstock, was was quite a uh, was very early on to be doing it, but it's a, it seems to be a topic which people are talking about more and more and more at the moment. I think partly because many companies have seen huge growth in first-time customers over the you know over the months you know the spring and the summer months this year, and they're now desperately trying to work out how they get them to stick around. Um, <laughs> yeah. Any any key advice around loyalty clubs?
1: Well, I think it's critical. I think it, for a long-term e-commerce success, you really have to break through, with that customer and get, you know, get them on board to want to go to your site, bookmark your site, could be on your site all the time. Um, Amazon, you know, is by far the, the story of how you can take a, a loyalty program and just drive it through the roof. Um, I'm a full-time Amazon customer. I think we all are almost at this point. Um, it, it's, it takes a lot of thought. It takes a lot of economic thought on how to make it work for both sides. So anybody can like sort of say, yeah, we'll give like free shipping on everything and a big discount. And then you have your loyalty, your most loyal customers like costing you money. Um, they get a great deal and you do not. Now, if you've got like unlimited resources like Amazon has for years, that's almost what they did. They ran the loyalty program almost into the red, but they got so many customers on board with it that they broke through. And now, you know, the economics of their business totally makes sense. Um, For us, it took a lot of economic thought. So the logistics of figuring out free shipping, um, actually having like a cash back program that puts money into their account. that took a lot of very strategic thinking. I think we spent about a year and a half. We had a really standard program. Clubo was a really standard program where you got free shipping. And in those days, that was like enough. But then it wasn't enough. And so we spent like almost a year and a half figuring out what the perfect economics that we could give the most value to our customers. The dollars wouldn't leave overstock it would just go back into their account. They had to spend it with us. Um, we integrated a credit card program. We also integrated a store card program that were really successful. And but once you get that customer that's that's regularly ordering from you and having a great experience, and becomes an advocate of yours. Their value is just like unbelievable. That's like a lifetime customer that's going to be spending money with you forever. So I think you know this is one where like time spent in reconnaissance is really well worth it, and and doing the research and looking, there's so many out there now and there's really successful ones. And then there's ones that aren't successful. There's, there's a lot more research and and sort of good examples out there that I think I would start there, you know, look at, look at what's, you can't necessarily do prime, right? That's a, it's a really, you know, <laughs> you don't have the resources to do like next day shipping and stuff like that typically. Um, but look at some of the programs that, you know, what, what are you actually a member of? Like which ones, do you personally enjoy? And then which ones in the market are really sort of gaining momentum and look at the things that give customers sort of perceived value that aren't very expensive. Um, but it is really almost like and people are very, I always say that customers are way smarter than you give them credit for. So they're going to do the math on whether they want to join that loyalty program or not. And it's m- mostly going to be dollars and cents. It's not going to be because it's super cool. It's going to be because that's a really good deal. And I can save money if I participate in this program. Um, And so that's, I think that time, looking at other examples and thinking about the real, is it a compelling enough event for someone to join um, and actually use it? That is time really well spent trying to figure out what your loyalty program should be. Overarching though, you have to do it. It's just so important for long-term success.
0: E commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. It's safe to say that most of us have been doing more shopping online lately. And if you're an e commerce brand, that means you might be seeing more first time customers. But once they've made that first purchase, how do you keep them coming back? Well, that's what Klaviyo is for. Klaviyo is the ultimate email and SMS marketing platform for e-commerce brands. It gives you the tools to build your contact lists, send memorable emails, automate key messages, and more. Way, way more. Whether you're launching a new business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo can help you get growing faster, and it's free to get started. Visit klaviyo.com masterplan to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. On average, 15% of searches on online shops return zero results, but only 1.3% of searches made through DoFinder are not returning results. Knowing that, what are you waiting for? Get your DoFinder 30-day free trial and start offering a better search experience. It can be implemented on all e-commerce platforms such as Shopify, WooCommerce, EKM, Visualsoft. Neil Patel includes DoFinder among the most powerful tools to increase e-commerce sales don't hesitate and go to dofinder.com slash masterplan to install it in only five minutes without coding. It's time for the top tips round. Okay. I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So Jeff, you ready for the top tips? I'm ready. Cool. Here we go then. The book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not a great big reader. So this isn't the, um, but we actually have a book club going on at Huckabye right now. And there's a book called The Challenger Customer. And I found it to be incredible. We just hired a new VP and, and he has this book that he's used for uh, the last three years as previous company. The Challenger Customer. It's a little bit around, more around like it's a sales book, but it's very heavy in marketing. It sort of shows the blurred lines, but it it talks a lot about how customers act today, and which is so much different than how they acted, um, you know, even three years ago. So it's a very sort of cutting edge book about how customers behave and how they actually buy today. So that's that's one that I'd recommend, especially if you're in. Um, well, if you if you have a high price point sale, I think it's an important book.
0: Cool. And you mentioned there that, that you have a Huckabye book club. I'm assuming that's a, like an internal team thing where you all read the same book and then discuss. Is that? Would I be right?
1: Yeah, it started as just um, within sales and and marketing, but now and it's still that. Like that's the focus of the book is sales and marketing. But anyone can participate. And it's amazing how... So we actually had it last night. And it's amazing how when you you all are reading a book that's really smart, and you're not specifically talking about Huckabye, but Huckabye naturally gets brought into it. How many... So it's almost like gives you this, this excuse to sort of think and talk about Huckabye in a very... Uh, smart and intelligent manner. It, the ideas that are coming out of this book club are just like amazing. Uh, should, we've only been doing it for like two weeks now. We've had two awesome meetings. Um, so yeah, so far so good. I, I, I think we'll keep this going.
0: Oh cool. it sounds like a great way to, uh, you know, whilst everyone's working from home and, and getting used to being a bit distant, it sounds like a great way to create a bit of kind of team culture and team connectiveness that's not directly related to day-to-day work.
1: Yeah. And we just do a chapter at a time. So it's not like you have, it's a chapter a week. So everybody can kind of handle that, you know, 15 to 20 pages and um, you know, you underline the stuff that you think is important and it gives you a, a great sort of, everybody gets exposure to each other and you can kind of, you know, you learn about, wow, that employee like has really deep insights. about that. <laughs> <laughs> They're really smart. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just a cool, a cool moment for everybody to kind of get together.
0: I love it. A little bonus tip there for everyone, uh, everyone listening.
1: Yeah. My uh, dumbed down uh, book recommendation is a book club instead of a book. (laughs) (laughs) I don't read a ton.
0: (laughs) There's nothing dumbed down about that at all. I think that's a great idea. Okay. The, um, the traffic top tip, which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves?
1: Yeah. Um, I, (laughs) this is a funny tip. I, I'm sh- totally shameless when it comes to discounting. Everybody like says, oh, discounting is going to affect the brand. And I just, all the research and all the stuff that we learned at Overstock is just the opposite. That heavy discounting is extremely powerful and coupons are extremely powerful. We spent probably more time than almost any other company on testing coupons and and discounts and all those things. People are very rational. People are very smart people love to save money in terms of getting clicks and driving revenue. There's almost no more effective way. And every time I've participated in other e-commerce companies and they're so concerned about the brand and this and that, and it's just such garbage. It just really is. At some point, every brand is going to have to discount their goods to get them off the, unless they're just dumping them in the, you know, in the just throwing them all away it, you just have to so whether it's Rolex or it's Tiffany's or whoever that you're going to have to discount at some point you might as well do it early to get better margins on it than doing it really late and it's not going to hurt your brand every brand discounts so it's just uh that's something that I learned that I always sort of like laugh at when I hear this it's always a discussion i'm sure Chloe you've heard it a thousand times too that you know that's going to really hurt my brand and this and that and i just say just do it and you'll you'll love the revenue
0: but what always surprises me is is that people often are worried more about the brand than they are about the margin. Which yeah. I just or the find- actual dollars. Yeah.
1: The dollars are like the inventory issues of not discounting. Um, it can re- that mentality can lead to some really bad fundamentals within the company that end up causing huge inventory issues, all sorts of fundamental problems but i agree yeah it's it's just sort of a math equation and it drives traffic it really does when i as i think about discounting i was going to say non-seo email is a really really important channel for e-commerce i'd say it overstock was it was just as important as seo was email marketing and nothing drives traffic through email marketing like discounting and coupons and it's just a necessary i don't even call it an evil i think it's a great thing um just leverage it and, and embrace it Be smart about it.
0: Cool. Okay. The tool top tip maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day?
1: Um, You know, this is another one where I don't have like the best of answers. We use Slack like religiously at Huckabye. Um, So that's probably our top tool. Within um, the SEO industry, there's so many cool tools out there and a few that Huckabye are actually building. But uh, Google has a great tool called Lighthouse. Uh, page speed is becoming a really important topic. They're, Google's doing a huge algorithm update called the Page Experience Update in 2021. And so, page speed's going to be like in- extremely important. And they actually have a great tool plugin called Google Lighthouse that actually really analyzes page speed. And it's a very important SEO tool. And Huckabye is actually betting on this. Algorithm up to update quite heavily and building a product around it. So I think about that. We use that tool a lot, and we use it. Our customers use it a lot to sort of get prepared for this algorithm update.
0: Cool. And then the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them?
1: I would probably say um, if it if it needs to happen quickly. Uh, email and, and, discounting, um, thinking about email is such an effective way to get to know your customer very quickly. You can send out an email every day and get and figure out the response. So, um, you can, you can ramp email very, very quickly and also learn what your customer wants, what's effective, what drives traffic, what your messaging should be, all these really healthy things. So Our first big growth spurt at Overstock was through email. That channel went from like 50 million to like 250 million. So I would say it happened really quickly. Um, I'd say that. And then pure branding, like I know TV is unbelievable. I know that's like probably not happening for a lot of customers, but branding through display ads, but lots of impressions is a really great way to ramp the business.
0: Love it. Well, look, Jeff, we've uh, we've mentioned a couple of couple of times Huckabye, Um and I'm sure the the audience are now going. What's Huckabye? How are they betting on the Google <laughs> algorithm change? Do they have the secret for page speed? Tell me, tell me, tell me. So, um, could you please tell us um, a bit about Huckabye and what you're up to at the moment, please?
1: Yeah, of course. So Huckabye is basically technical SEO is very hard, and, it, and it's a hard thing to accomplish internally. So, and by technical SEO, I mean um, how the site's structured. You, you know, add, do you have a lot of JavaScript? There's just a lot of page speed, structured data. Technical SEO is really, really important. And it's very, very hard to do internally. And so Huckabye has basically built the perfect technical SEO solution. We make almost like a copy of your site into flat HTML. We add structured data, which is really important. It gets super fast page speed. This version's just for Google, thanks to them opening up something called dynamic rendering. And so we have we check we have an outsourced software solution for technical SEO, and now we just launched a page speed product. So if you struggle with page speed, Huckaby is really like the best solution right now. It's in beta. We have a free beta. So if you want to come to our site and contact us and ask to get on the free beta and mention this podcast, you can get on our free beta. But it's a really exciting product. Outside, it's not just affecting SEO; it's affecting conversion rates. Page speed's an issue that's going to become a huge issue in 2021 because of this Google algorithm update that they've talked about for over a year now. So they pushed it back because of COVID, saying that it's going to affect the economy. So I think it's going to be a big one. So we've built this product around that update. And um, yeah, there's a free beta going on right now that your listeners can participate in.
0: Very cool. Thank you for that, Jeff. And I would say anything which Google tells us they're going to do in advance, we should pay <laughs> yeah, watch attention out. to. <laughs> I would agree with that because uh, that's not something they like to do. Um, okay, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the show. The tips and tricks you gave us about growing are brilliant. The top tips are brilliant, and um, and that offer to t- test out your page speed tool. I'm sure you're going to get some people taking you up on that. So, uh, so thank you very much for being on the show.
1: Thank you, Chloe. It was a pleasure.
0: So much good insight there from Jeff we had about how he was getting the whole team ramping up that SEO to take them from zero to $300 million in SEO uh, sales and then just those amazing things around how to go about hiring and training you know hiring for intelligence and then giving them the skill set you're after cuz you know we may be what a decade or so on from when he was doing all of this but we still have that skills gap at the moment and from my experience of hiring if you hire for someone who's clever and who's going to pick it up quickly it's so much so much easier um and then, you know, that that staff retention tips. I love that. The idea of having a clear career path that doesn't involve managing people sounds like heaven to me. And then um, about the long-term success of loyalty, that loyalty is so essential, which I think so many uh, um, e-commerce businesses have seen that huge uplifting customers over the last couple of months, well, the most of this year. The key right now for me, I think the key in Q4 is finding ways to keep them, to get those people who bought from you in the summer to buy again for Christmas, and then to make sure they stick around with you going into 2021 and beyond. So I, I hope you found that useful session. You can get your hands on the notes from today's show, including the top tips, links, details of that great free offer that Jeff mentioned um, by heading to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. And there you can also add yourself to our email list. So you won't miss out on any of the other things I share in the email lists to help you improve your business. Now, if you liked hearing Jeff say a few things about SEO and you're intrigued about what he said, buyer up two, then I had Jeff on the Keep Optimizing podcast earlier this year, episode number eight, where we talked exclusively about the latest tips and tricks in SEO, including that big page speed dynamic rendering opportunity. So um, go and have a listen to Keep Optimizing podcast episode eight, if you want some more on that. Well guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the E-commerce Masterplan podcast. It's so cool to see so many of you tuning in week after week. I really do appreciate it. Cuz the reason I bring you a new interview every week is because I want to inspire and help as many e-commerce business owners as possible to succeed and thrive with their businesses. So, it would be a ma- I would consider it a massive favor to me if you would tell other e-commerce business owners you know about the show because that way I get to help them too. I hope you have a great week. Keep optimising. Thank you for listening to the eCommerce Masterplan podcast. Find out more at eCommerceMasterplan.com podcast.